You are listening to the Nirvana podcast, season 2, episode 7. Nirvana Reunited. Hello everybody and welcome to the Nirvana podcast. My name is Sietse. And I'm Yiritja. And on this show we talk about Nirvana. Uh, that's a really <laughs> bad introduction of the podcast, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's the best description ever. <laughs> yeah, and uh, probably also uh, the most um, unnecessary description <laughs> given the title of the show. You used to say... Like in, in the first couple of episodes, you were really adamant to say we're talking about the band Nirvana, not about the state of mind Nirvana or the beautiful place somewhere in the world that is Nirvana. So maybe that's because I do sometimes Google searches or look on websites with secondhand stuff just to check it out if there's any Nirvana related stuff on there. And you always get quite a lot of buddhists books music concepts and things but uh, i think by now everybody will probably know what kind of podcast this is i all of a sudden have sort of visions of going to some kind of like masseur or like spiritual guidance person and and that you enter his place and then instead of that new age weird music nonsense you just hear the band nirvana or instead of uh, um, hearing any music you will uh, hear our podcast hmm. oh that's How better about that? uh anyway i think that's enough uh, chit chat for the introduction <laughs> yep <laughs> we're already going off track here um today we are going to talk about uh nirvana reunion uh, shows so uh, nirvana without kurt cobain is it still nirvana hmm, that's a bit of a philosophical question perhaps (laughs) yeah yeah definitely but we're focusing on shows that were done under the name nirvana or because they used to be in nirvana or anything related to that plus a little bit extra that is slightly different but we also think it's fun to (laughs) discuss yeah yeah that's true but our, our, our ground rule here is that it should be members of nirvana playing nirvana music that's more or less the definition i think yeah definitely but like you said we're going to break that rule and actually uh the first thing we're going to listen to uh, is already breaking that rule (laughs) because uh we're going to listen to uh the stinky puffs Uh, a couple of months after kurt passed chris and dave got together to perform with the stinky puffs and they were a band of two uh, young uh, children i think they were like seven years old something like yep. that yeah and they were uh, the kids of somebody from the band half japanese and somebody from sonic youth yep the son of the guitar player i believe they were in touch with kurt and they had a day hanging out together and they got along really well and kurt said he was a big fan of the band so i think that's why chris and dave decided to team up with them and play some music and yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's a really cool choice to do that with two <laughs> young children. <laughs> exactly. I think one of them even sort of half managed a sort of Nirvana fan club as well. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah and, and, and Kurt was kicking around an idea to ask him uh, to uh, contribute some artwork for the uh, In Utero album. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, th I think mostly Kurt just liked hanging around with them and thought it was really cool that those young young kids had a punk band. And yeah, I, th I think is. I think that's why Chris and Dave thought, well, you know, uh, if we're going to get together and play music, let's do it with these kids in a very low profile show, I think. Yeah. And uh, I, th I think it's the first time they got together uh, and played music. And it, it took them quite a while before they did it again. I think, yeah, maybe after that first time was when Chris played with uh, Foo Fighters. Yeah, that was like years later. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of time in between. Yeah, and we already covered the whole Chris and Dave and Foo Fighters stuff uh, in the last episode. So if yep. you're interested in that, um, skip back an episode but if you're interested in the stinky puffs stick around because we're going to listen to a song that they played and uh they uh, introduced it themselves about when kurt died and um it's called i love you anyway Yeah, it's a really cute song, I think. Yeah, it's it's it basically it's so sums sweet. up what what they did together. Yeah. Smash a guitar together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's what you do if you're a kid and you're uh friends with a with a adult rock star, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Unless you're friends with um Michael Jackson. Uh, ooh, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna let it pass by. Yep. <laughs> not gonna let comment it. on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, after that, Chris and Dave, um, they, um, did make music together sometimes, um, but it never really got to a Nirvana reunion until fast forward 2014, because that's when Nirvana got, uh, inducted in the, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, it was actually the very first year that they were actually qualified to do that because I think you have to wait like 25 years after your first official release, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's 25 years. I actually, I looked into this. <laughs> I realized I never really understood like <laughs> what that whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, apart from that it's sort of a big deal and and... It gives you cool shows and whatever. <laughs> so um, it is uh, indeed 25 years after the first album. There is a committee, like you get nominated. And then there's about uh, a thousand experts that get the nominations list. And they get to decide who 
finally gets that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, entry. Um, fun fact, um, for this year, the Foo Fighters are on the nomination list. Yeah. And we will know in, I think, a month or so if they actually get it. So that's also kind of weird. <laughs> sort of a weird thing of like, okay, they're eligible and, and then they get decided they're not worthy enough. Or can you, I don't know if you can like get reelected, but yeah. I actually don't know much um, about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Pretty much all I know about it is that Nirvana is in it. And that, that was the reason that they got together again mm -hmm. to accept the Induction. induction in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah, uh, yeah what well, it's officially. Let's let's put it like that. Uh, and there's uh, always somebody who's uh, inducting uh, the band or the artist. Uh, and in this case, it was uh, Michael Stipe, singer of REM, of course. And he had a very nice uh, speech. Uh, we're going to listen to just a bit of that first, and then we're going to go into the music. Nirvana tapped end, into a voice that was for. yearning to be heard. Keep in mind the times. This was the late 80s, early 90s. America, the idea of a hopeful, democratic country had been practically dismantled by Iran-Contra, by AIDS, by the Reagan-Bush senior administrations. But with their music, their attitude, their voice, Nirvana blasted through all that with crystalline nuclear rage and fury. Nirvana were kicking against the system, bringing complete disdain for the music industry and their definition of corporate mainstream America to show a sweet and beautiful but fed-up fury coupled with howling vulnerability. Lyrically exposing our frailty, our frustrations, our shortcomings, singing of retreat and acceptance of our triumphs of an outsider community with such immense possibility, stymied or ignored but not held down or held back by the stupidity and political pettiness of the times they spoke truth, and a lot of people listened. They picked up the mantle in that particular battle, but they were singular and loud and melodic and deeply original. And that voice, that voice, Kurt, we miss you. I miss you. Of course, the whole speech is, is longer. In fact, um, there's also speeches by Chris and Dave and Courtney and uh, a short comment by uh, Kurt's mom. Um, if you want to listen to all of that, I'm going to edit it in at the end of this podcast because we're not going to listen to uh, to all of those uh, speeches. They're they're pretty nice. So just um, uh, stick around and, uh, and you can hear uh, everything that's been uh, said that night. Uh, because like I said, we want to get to the music. Um, yes. They played four songs uh, at the ceremony uh, show with uh, uh, different uh, vocalists. I've read that in fact they started out asking also male rock stars but none of them was up to the task i suppose was a uh, one really? to take on the challenge yeah i've read that apparently dave deliberately wanted female singers so i i always thought that too that it was like a deliberate choice to have yeah. only female singers but when i did some research for the podcast i read somewhere that they asked uh, a handful of uh, a-list male rock stars but I'm not sure where I found that and if mm. that's a fact or somebody just made it up. Yeah, I, I, to me, it sounds more logical that they asked 
women deliberately, obviously because then the comparison with Kurt's voice would be less, and also because Kurt was well, basically a feminist, so he would have <laughs> he would have liked this, um, or at least he would have liked the fact that they were all women. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, so yeah, I think so it, it too. sort of uh, yeah makes more sense. But, but yeah, you've read it somewhere, so yeah. The, well, the, that that doesn't really sound like a credible source. I've read it somewhere. <laughs> um, but, but well, nowadays it, was, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the internet, so it's exactly. True. <laughs> but either way. Um, in, they ended up with four female singers yeah. and they presented them like in a sort of a chronological order. So um, they uh, started out uh, with uh, Joan Jett and she was singing uh, Smells Like Teen Spirits. So they're just going to throw in the big one uh, straight away. <laughs> exactly. Get that over with. Um, and we're going to listen to that. How do you like Joan Jett as a front woman of Nirvana? I think she she embodies the right spirit. Um, I think that works. Also, basically, because she's Joan Jett. <laughs> I mean, that hmm. helps already. The whole fact of like her ha- as as a a rock legend um, doing that song. Um, I like how she does it as she would do it. So it's just, it's basically, it's Joan Jett singing it. Her voice isn't as good as it was anymore. <laughs> mm. The fact that, that she doesn't really hit the notes as they should, um, I think is a shame. All in all, I, I, I think like the idea works, but the execution isn't that good. Um, and also what I found interesting, but that doesn't have to do with Joan Jett herself specifically, but when I when I listen to this again, how weird it is to hear the exact drum and bass as in the original, and then hearing somebody else play that guitar part. By the sound of it, I haven't checked it, but it's not just a different guitar player; it's also a different guitar. Yeah, the whole tone of the guitar is totally different. It's a sort of weird dissonance in your head that, like. Half of the song is exactly as as you know it, <laughs> and then the other other half isn't. But that's yeah. that's also for the other couple of songs. But that's sort of the weird thing. Like if it's like a whole cover, then you know it's all different. And here it's sort of like a weird kind of mishmash. But 
that has nothing to do with Joan Jett. Well, it, it, it does because, uh, because uh, she's playing guitar. So yeah. she could have tried to cre- recreate Kurt's guitar sound a bit more. Uh, I totally get why she thought, well, I'm going to do it my own way, my own style and my own yeah. effects and, and whatever. And I don't think you hear Pat very hard in a mix. So no. if he was a bit louder, perhaps it yeah, could have helped. just a bit more of Nirvana guitar sound in it. Perhaps, but... Uh, yeah, but I I can totally see why they went for Joan Jett, and like you said, her attitude and her spirit is is good enough to pull it off. That's, yeah, I'll yeah. Stick to that. But at the same time, especially doing an iconic song like this, it makes it hard as well because you you sort of hear where it's where it doesn't work. Just because the spirit and the anger is so different. And yeah, again, her, her voice isn't really up to it. But it's as a tribute, it's, it's great that, that she's doing it. So. Next one. Kim Gordon. Yeah, and again, uh, somebody who totally made her own version of it, which yeah. I think is, is pretty cool, even though I'm not sure if it works that well. I know this is a sort of a love it or hate it thing with a lot of fans. For me, it works, um, but that's also because I know Sonic Youth, and this is basically, this sounds like if Sonic Youth would do a cover of this song, which I think is great because she makes really makes it her own. And because, you know, it's a band that Kurt liked, they were friends. I mean, out of all four, this is the one I think Kurt would have loved the most himself as well. Yeah, yeah, you may be right. Um, I also really like uh, the 
fact that they picked this song to play yeah because it's not an album track it's not one of their big hits it's it's more a, a fan favorite i think and um a song that they pretty much always played uh, at uh, at live shows so uh, yeah it's really good i think that they decided to to this one i don't know but i'm thinking that Kim Gordon herself had a big say in what what song they were going to do. Yeah, I I assume so. I mean, she wouldn't have done something that she didn't want to do. Um, This is something that would suit her so so well. That makes sense to have chosen that. For sure. And um, I I can also see why um, a lot of Nirvana fans either love or hate this version. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's 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 totally different. And yeah, that's it's. uh, just like with Jet Joan, it's totally in the spirit of Nirvana as they were and, and something that Kurt would have liked. I mean, I'm guessing that he probably would have hated if somebody really tried to copy him or exactly. that they only got somebody to sing who was because he was uh, very, very famous and successful or something like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, I must say I, I totally respect it and I think it's cool, but I don't really enjoy listening to it. I mean, it's not <laughs> something that I would put on on a regular but, basis or something like that. But you're you're not really into Sonic Youth either, right? So makes no, sense. No, not really. No. no. Okay, but they had another um, guest uh, singer. Apparently, this was somebody that uh, Dave suggested and um, Chris had never heard of. <laughs> well, Saint Vincent. I, I, I think I know why he suggested it. This singer, Annie, is, um, well, she, she is introduced as being from St. Vincent. But before she formed St. Vincent, she was in the polyphonic spree. And if you remember, like... A lot of episodes ago, we talked about that, and I think we even played them in the episode. I think so, uh, because they did a cover of Lithium. Oh, right. That, that really Whoa. big band with, like, the Jesus outfits and the, the weird, like, yeah. Oh, I... <laughs> that, that really cool cover. I never that, knew that that, that that was the, the connection. So exactly. makes a lot of sense. And, and she was the singer in the Polyphonic Spree. Well, one of the singers. And it makes total sense that she joined them to perform Lithium. Yes, ah, exactly. Oh, wow. never knew that. <laughs> Thanks for uh, <laughs> for telling well, me that. <laughs> that's yeah. why you do this podcast, right? To learn something yeah. about Nirvana. <laughs> oh, I've, I've learned. I've really learned a lot from doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. 
uh, for instance, I've learned uh, that uh, Lithium was the first song that they played when they started rehearsing for this uh, performance. Ah, really? Okay. Yeah. Chris uh, said in an interview, uh, we said hi to everyone and launched into Lithium. Ah. And he also said that just a week before he picked up a Nirvana tab book because he had to relearn all his uh, bass parts again. <laughs> I can imagine. This was 2014. It's like... Tw- more than 20 years after he, he last played them. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought it was pretty funny that he had to pick up a tab book. I mean, I, I have <laughs> one of those lying around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they started uh, rehearsing um, this song. Uh, at first, apparently it didn't go so well, but then they got back into it and, uh, yeah, apparently really uh, enjoyed uh, playing it. Dave said uh, it, it took a, a, a little bit of musical preparation and a lot of emotional preparation to do this show. Um, but he had to prepare a lot for something that would come later the day. But we're going to talk about that yep. a bit later because we have one last song that they uh, played at the ceremony. I think this was the most controversial pick they did mm-hmm. because, uh, like I said, the, the female singers are sort of more or less in chronological order. They, uh, the last song they performed with Lord, and I haven't heard a lot from her in the past couple of years. But back at the time, she was a really big and upcoming singer. Yeah, which which is one of the the reasons why I wondered whether she was chosen by the band or if, um, for instance, the organization of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame would have told them like at least pick one person who is like really current. Uh, I mean, St. Vincent had an album out that year, but still. I don't think so. I've never heard anything about that. And also, I don't think that they would say, uh, say you're going to have to do this or that. or, or No, but they could suggested have suggested it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I, I think they just wanted to have um, a connection also to a younger generation, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah team up with that i mean like i said the way uh, so i i think they just thought well she's pretty cool and interesting she was all of the radio uh, with her breakthrough hit uh, royals yeah. which i think by the way is a really uh, cool cool song it's great so song. i th- i think they just thought well that's an interesting combination yeah. let's see if, if she's up to it maybe and, and she's really young but back really then young. she was like 18 19 something like that so yeah yeah. I mean, maybe if they had been inducted um, this year, they would have asked Billie Eilish or something like that. Yep. Because she was sort of in the same vein, I think. Yep. But yeah, she faded away pretty quickly after that, or at least um, escaped my attention a bit. But well, maybe let's, that's just let's, me. Let's play the song and I'll Google meanwhile what she's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do that. <laughs>
Yeah, and and again, like the ladies before her, she really makes it her own. Yeah, and I I think that's quite an uh, achievement. Um, I kind of like what she does with the song, but I also really like the fact that they decided to have Chris on uh, the accordion again, just to yeah. mix it up uh, a bit to, you know, to bring something new to the table. So um, yeah, I kind of like this uh, rendition. I um, I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like it either. I find it annoying to to say this, but I mean, it is part of what it is. I enjoy it more when I hear it and I don't see the image with it, Mm. Um, which has mainly to do with the fact that she is wearing a bright pink suit, which is beautiful and looks great, but it's so different from everything else that's going on on stage that I I, I sort of, <laughs> to me, it sort of disconnects. And like I said, I find that annoying to say because I it shouldn't all be about what you wear and whatever, but it distracts me from what's happening. So if I just listen to it and don't, don't look at the images, I can listen better to what she's actually doing and enjoy it more. So yeah. Yeah. The- image that you get from a band and, and the picture they present on stage it, it does count i mean it's a it's a performance so yeah yeah at the same time every every performer there um is on that stage as themselves so if this is who she is um yeah, of course. that's fine she shouldn't be like dressing in in grunge look just because no, she's th- doing that, that would have been song. even worse yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i just um i looked up uh, what she's doing um she had another album out in 2017 uh which i missed and maybe uh, other people didn't i hope that um and nothing much after that i see her instagram page has three pictures um from 2018 but she is being followed on Instagram by Frances Beenkebain. So uh, there is a connection there. Right. <laughs> and that's all I know about Lord at this moment. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's keep to that. Although I, I just wanted to say one more thing. That it, it, I think it kind of annoys me that some Nirvana fans were really picking on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yep. it's a legit choice. And of course, you could say, oh, she's just like a teenage pop star. But I think it was a brave thing to do from her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, if the band approaches her and asks, hey, if you, are you up for it? And she feels like doing it because she likes Nirvana or, or, or has respect for them or has been influenced by them. Uh, why not? I mean, you can like it or not like it, but, you know. And, and no matter what you think, she was endorsed by the band and they rehearsed with her and they said, yeah, let's do this. So, yeah. And um, that same night, they did uh, like a, an after party show. And that's what I was referring to earlier when I said that Dave Grohl had to do some musical preparation because then they played a whole set, I think maybe uh, about 19 songs. Um, and they said, well, I really had to get back into drumming shape uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, uh, to do that. But, uh, but he did. Again, there were some uh, guest vocalists, some of whom had already been on stage with them during the uh, ceremony, but also some some new faces showed up, like uh, Jay Massis. I hope I pronounced his name right. Yeah, I think Massis. Massis. Yeah. He's a guy from uh, Dinosaur uh, Jr. and other bands. Uh, I think Kurt liked Dinosaur Jr. a lot as well, so it's an obvious choice. Yep. And that kind of goes against what I just said, that they approached some male singers as well 
but nobody would want to do it because, well, I mean, this guy could probably do it. Why would he agree to doing uh, the after party and not the show itself? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. let's let's stick to the uh, theory that they deliberately picked uh, females. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I also read, maybe that's not true as well, but that they wanted to ask a PJ Harvey mm-hmm. and have her sing Milk It, but for some reason she couldn't make it. Okay. Which ah. is a shame because I think it would have been really interesting. And yeah. I'm a big fan of the song. And I think it was really, would have been really cool to have them play Milk It on a, on a show like that. Yeah. That would have been cool. So that would have been, uh, would have been cool, but, uh, it never got to be. But back to the, to the after party. Apparently there is a professional recording of this, uh, because Dave had it all, uh, filmed and, and, and recorded, but that footage has never been released. I did read an interview with Dave in which he said uh, that someday everybody would be able to see it. So, Dave, if you're listening, just please release the tapes. Yeah. At least the audio. I mean, if you don't like the the video or or, or whatever, just give us the audio, man. It's Yeah, we we want to hear it because so many songs, so many great artists, there's snippets of it on YouTube and as far as, as, as you're able to hear from there, they sound much better than <laughs> during the ceremony. Uh, there's like parts of, of the smells like teen spirit with Joan Jett and, and you just feel like that the tension is, is all gone and, and they play it so much better and loose. Yeah. And, and they were in like their natural habitat. I exactly. Think. They were in a bar exactly. with, I don't know, like 200 people. That's totally different than an, award ceremony and you have to do a speech and on a stage all, everybody and is dressed seats. up and and the the, the crowd is, is sitting down and applauding yeah. instead of jumping up and down and drinking beer i mean yeah <laughs> exactly. there's a big difference uh, but that's, so yeah i would definitely be very interested in uh, hearing the professional recording of it yeah. uh, like you said we we do have some footage of it but it's in a really bad quality let's uh, check it out anyway here's uh Jay Meskis. Yeah. Meskis so. singing school. He seems uh, up for the task. Yeah, definitely. It's really good. Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth um, joined them again. And um, they uh, played uh, Moist Vagina with her, which makes sense because uh, Sonic Youth has covered that song. Um, but it's <laughs> You started that sentence and I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. I wanted to keep this uh, nice and clean okay. and uh, point out that it was a unique moment because I don't think Nirvana uh, ever played that song live before. Huh? 
no, that's right. Yeah. So it was like over 20 years later that the song got played live yeah. for the very first time. Nice. Yeah, but uh, I, unfortunately, I couldn't find a, a, a recording of it. No. So, uh, no. Is there um, is is Dave on like yeah. Twitter or something like that? Can we can we start a, start a hashtag petition <laughs> or whatever <laughs> I don't to release know. it? No, actually, Foo Fighters obviously are. And yeah, but that's I just a matter. Dave, sometimes if if people on social media create enough um, of an uproar, he sometimes responds. He did his drum battle with a. With a girl oh right, a yeah, of with years that ago, kid. and yeah. some uh, didn't he do like a complete Foo Fighters show because people were asking him about it? Yeah, uh, for, for <laughs> a lot of time. So sometimes um, he does respond to it. So let's let's give it a try. Yeah. Uh, what should be the hashtag? I'm not good at hashtags. <laughs> yeah, uh, just just hashtag. Please release. Yeah, and um, <laughs> that's cool. Like address that. it to Chris and Dave and Pat, or yeah, Chris and Dave and Pat. I think I suppose that they uh, they are the ones who have to decide whether or not uh, we get uh, we get those tapes. Yeah, and I think it's been seven years, so why wait any longer? Exactly. Let's make it happen. Yeah, cool. Um, I think after this whole um, event, something sort of clicked that they thought, well, we really like playing together and doing these old songs just, you know, for uh, for fun. Um, I think that's why after this, uh, we didn't have to wait another uh, 25 years before they uh, reunited again. Um, let's have a listen to uh, Pat Smear. Pat, a bit do you ever wake up and down. miss playing with Nirvana or are those days so far behind you? You know, every once in a while, me and Chris and Dave get together and we do play as if we're Nirvana, and it's oh, amazing. you do, really? Yeah, so I don't, I don't have to miss it. We do it, Dave. I didn't. I mean, know if this. we're in the same town together, or you know, whatever, we'll get together and jam. You mean you'll get? Where do you get together in a rehearsal space? Well, last time we did it at the house where we recorded the album. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, we actually recorded some stuff. Yeah. Do you ever go back and listen to the Nirvana albums, either of you two guys? Do you do you go back and say, you know? I just want to go live that over again. No. No? Is it too painful? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so Dave said they actually recorded some stuff. Yeah. It's okay if he holds on to that to those tapes, but just give us the recordings of the uh, Hall of Fame uh, after party. And, uh, yeah, and then in, in another seven years, we'll be asking for the other tapes. Yes, because we're definitely going to keep the podcast going for another seven years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll come back in seven years just yeah. for this. <laughs> to, just to discuss those recordings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to um, uh, fast forward two years to uh, 2016 when uh, the band uh, reunited again publicly. And at uh, this time they had a different uh, guest vocalist. Um, it's uh, Beck. And they did one song on sort of a pre-Grammy gala. And 2016, as you, of course, very well know, um, is the year that uh, David Bowie passed. Yep. And so they uh, introduced this song as a, like a homage to two geniuses that uh, aren't with us anymore. I left the 
I must say, uh, Beck is sort of like the perfect middle way between David Bowie and Kurt. Yeah. Uh, that they sang this song. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking exactly the same. It's really good. Yeah. So, um, and it's an interesting combination, I think, Beck and Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It for some. I. I mean. I don't know how this came to be. I. I don't know if you have any any idea about that. Not really. I haven't found it. I mean, the the, the, the reason to do it was clear, um, but the combination, I don't know. But it it sort of it feels right. It sort of yeah, it gels nice. together really nicely, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I also really like this this end part where he does the. Well, let's just listen to it. Yeah, so no, I, I don't know how they got together, but um, I do know that Beck was a big Nirvana fan. Because mm-hmm. he later talked about how he went to a Nirvana live show and he really loved it and everybody was going crazy. So, yeah. Nice. Um, and they would keep in touch because we're going to see Beck or we're going to hear Beck uh, later again. Yeah. But first, we're going to have a listen to uh, something that went down in 2018 at Cal Jam, California Jam, which I'm not quite sure, but it was like a festival that Dave and Foo Fighters set up or something like, something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's it's a bit unclear to me as well. I tried to, <laughs> I did a lot of research to sort of find out what it was exactly. And, and I, I felt myself back in that whole... Uh, uh, remember that Nirvana thing in in Rio and <laughs> where yeah. we were also like, what is this and why and how and what did they play where and when? <laughs> well, I had that same feeling here again, like, okay, it's a festival, but yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know how this came to be either, but nope. I do know that first Foo Fighters performed. Yeah, and exactly. They did like a reverse chronological order thing because they started with the uh, uh, most recent Foo Fighters material and yep. then they made their way back. And then after that, they uh, had this Nirvana reunion. So it was like a trip back in time, something like that. That was <laughs> Dave Grohl's time machine. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, and I don't know if they were announced actually. Maybe not. That would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Like all of a sudden you have sort of Nirvana on there. Yeah. So um, I don't know. But but again, they had some uh, guests on stage. Um, of course, they have to have some guests. I mean, Dave could sing the songs, but we already talked about it last time, why he doesn't sing Nirvana songs and why we think that's probably a wise uh, decision. Yeah. Um, this time, uh, one of the vocalists was a John J. McCauley, a guy from a band called Deer Tick. And that's actually quite an interesting 
choice because he's such a big Nirvana fan that they sometimes perform as dear Vana and then <laughs> yeah, they transform cool. themselves into a Nirvana cover band. <laughs> and he, he was also at the um, after party of the Grammys, right? Uh, no, not the Grammys, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was one of the one of the guest singers there as well. Apparently, they liked uh, performing with him enough uh, to uh, to ask him uh, back again. Um, and I think his uh, own band was performing at the festival as well. So, yeah, it wasn't a pretty obvious uh, choice. Um, I want to have a listen to him singing Scentless Apprentice. I think of all of the singers that we've heard um, this far, he is definitely the one who most tries to copy Kurt's style, or maybe his style is closest to what Kurt did. If his own band is sometimes a Nirvana cover band, then then you would definitely want to try to to do Kurt, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I must say, I haven't checked out a Deer Tick. Um, themselves their own uh, original material no neither. so i don't really know what they usually do but um yeah I, I must say i always thought that you know if you do a reunion show like like these then you got to have somebody who does something completely different like we've heard before um with all the the female vocalists um like somebody just don't try to do anything like what Kurt did and make it your own. But after hearing this, I thought, well, why not have somebody who's kind of in the same area? It's a hard one. Um, I mean, a lot of bands struggle with that, especially bands that continue. I mean, Queen is is a, a good example of a band who sort of did a restart with a new singer. Um, yeah. And and did well um, with several in, new singers, in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in, in the last couple of years, they they basically settled for one, um, yeah. which makes sense. That also had that quality of like, okay, he is he has his own sound, but he does approach the original sound good enough to make it not that different. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. I think there's both approaches work. It's just a, a matter of what you want to do. I still think that for that, uh, rock and roll hall of fame induction, it was the right choice to have 
female singers and different approaches. But I can also see why you wouldn't want to keep doing that. Yeah, like I said, this performance kind of changed my mind a bit. Yeah. I was thinking, well, get the show on the road and I'm going <laughs> to buy some tickets. But uh, yeah, then again, yeah. I would do the same thing if they went on tour with Lord or <laughs> exactly. whoever. Exactly. You would buy a ticket anyway. <laughs> I'd, I'd buy a ticket anyway. But Yeah. Uh, I think it also, again, has to do with what you're seeing, though. Just like we were saying about Lord that we enjoyed it more while listening to it. I think this is probably another one of these examples because if you have somebody on stage who sounds like Kurt but doesn't really look like him or moves in a different way, I think that that would already make it a bit different. Yeah, I think so too. And he doesn't dress up like Kurt or anything. And again, like you said before, if the other guys of the band uh, endorse him and like working with him and think it's okay what he's doing, then why should we be picky or think, no, you can't no, exactly. Kurt's vocals. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can I mean, you, you, you're free to enjoy it or not enjoy it, but yeah, sure. at the band um, endorses it. So you can't say like, no, you shouldn't do that because that's not up to us to say. It's up to Dave and Chris to say how they want it. Yeah, and I think he does a great job. I mean, I picked Sentless Apprentice because I think it's a very brave, bold choice. Yeah. Because it's one of Kurt's most brutal vocal performances. Yeah. As, yeah, well, except for some stuff that he did in the early days, perhaps. But uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, he doesn't doesn't take the easy way out. So uh, No, nope. oh, not yeah, at all. I kind of like that as well. Yeah. So another person that uh, joined up the band again was uh, Joan Jett and she sang uh, several songs uh, uh, this time uh, for instance Breed This song suits her quite well, I think. I think better than than Teen Spirit. Yeah, agreed. So um, they did that uh, show, but uh, they still weren't uh, done, luckily for us, because uh, last year in 2020, they uh, did another um, uh, performance on an event called Heaven is Rock and Roll. Did you get into the background of that one? Yeah, I did. There's an organization that collects money for artists, who need it basically uh, because uh, well if you're an artist you don't have like a pension plan and <laughs> that sort of stuff um, so uh, basically when you uh, when when something happens to you or you can't play anymore or you get old or whatever um, you can uh, get into trouble um, so there are organizations who collect money uh, to help um, uh, artists there's uh, organizations like that for actors as well, uh, and this is for musicians. So they play for a gala for that. Well, it's in the Nirvana tradition to do fundraisers and yep, definitely. stuff like that. So uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And they uh, brought up Beck uh, again. Beck was Beck. 
First, he kind of screwed up the first verse of In Bloom. Yeah. But luckily, um, he also did an, uh, another song that you specifically uh, requested. Yep. So we're going to uh, listen to that first. And, and then please uh, explain why you wanted to have listened to this uh, song. Why do you like this song so much? Or why do you hate it so much? Because you <laughs> yeah, I didn't that. tell you that. No, no, I, li- I like this very much. There's there's two reasons. Um, obviously, the reason is I think this, this is a really good version of it. If listeners have listened to a lot of episodes of this podcast, they know I love harmonies. And this one has it. <laughs> I can hear uh, Annie from St. Vincent's, I think, on, on yeah. backing vocals. She was there as well. I like the fact that she does harmonies that fit the Nirvana harmonies. She adds something there that, that fits the song, which I think is great. And the other reason why I wanted to, to have a listen to this is we already said that Beck and Nirvana felt like a good combination. I think for people who don't really know Beck or only know like his biggest hits from back in the day, like Loser, people will think like, I don't see the connection. And I think when you listen to, to this, all of a sudden it becomes clear because it could be a Beck song. I, there is something in there that is like, oh, this is what he likes about Nirvana and this is what his influence is. Um, and you can, you can hear it in this song in the way they do it in, um, so for me, all of a sudden that sort of, that whole connection and his love for Nirvana really, really clicked when I heard this. Cool. Thanks for, uh, pointing it out. They never performed with River Cuomo. Like River Cuomo is his name, right? Yep, 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 yep. yep. I wanted to say River River Phoenix, but that's <laughs> He died uh, before yeah, uh, <laughs> before he could. As we know that uh, sometimes Weezer has performed yeah. Nirvana shows as well. So I wonder why they never asked him. He's kind of like the same character as Beck. Well, they're not the same, of course, but, no. you know, they're both yeah. like pop singers, more or less. Yeah, I mean, Weezer is obviously more more of a novelty artist, I'd say. Maybe that's the reason. But yeah. on the other hand, Nirvana has a lot of humor as well. So, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, it's interesting. It's, I think he would have been really happy if he uh, got, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, got yeah. an invitation. <laughs> and maybe he's sitting yeah. at home like, well, if... <laughs> if, 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 why did why did I pick back? Why not me? No, <laughs> exactly. I, I, have, I have no idea. I just just came to mind that I thought, well, they, yeah. they could have asked him to do some songs as well. But instead, Dave asked his own daughter to um, join. Yeah, the let's have a listen to that. Focus, focus. 
Yeah, so how do you like her performance? Yeah, great. She's only like 14, so <laughs> that's already quite amazing, I think. I like how she's sort of channeling the original, but still giving her own take on it. Yeah, it's quite an achievement. Uh... And she has an interesting voice. I mean, I don't know if she has ambitions to become a singer, but... I, I guess so. I mean, if you do this, if you do this show... Obviously into singing, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I think she did, like, backing vocals for Foo Fighters on their yeah. tour as well. So so that must be something that, that she's into. But she has... Yeah, I, I really like the, the sound of her voice. So it'll be interesting to, to hear what she will do in the future. Yeah. And I thought it was a remarkable and also a bit of a brave move. I mean, yeah. Dave knows pretty well, I think, that... People can become really hateful if people want to step into Kurt's shoes or something like that. And uh, yeah, to put your own daughter there at such an age. I think she was 13 when she sang this. Yeah, that's quite quite something. Have her do this song. Yeah. I mean, not just any song. It's not the easiest song to sing. It's very, yeah, a lot of dark imagery. It's a very important song in their catalog as well. So yeah, that was quite of a surprising bold move i think but, uh, <laughs> yeah and and she also she sounds really relaxed when you hear the tone of her voice like you don't hear any any stress on that it's just yeah it's I, I think in the first first you could hear that a little bit but the snippet we just listened to yeah exactly in a bit I mean, later. when she starts that's true but it's it's gone so so quickly it's like once she gets into it it's just really well done yeah yeah, so so we we've listened to a, a lot of Nirvana, or actually, uh, I, I, while reading into uh, while preparing for this podcast, I read the term Nirvana. <laughs> oh, like I like that. Nice. Nearly Nirvana, um, in a lot of different lineup. In general, how do you like Nirvana getting back together? You know, they're a lot of older. Obviously, I mean, they're not the same people anymore. Kurt, who was like the yeah, obviously the the voice and the creative force behind the band isn't here anymore how do you like it if they perform like this well like you just said like if if, <laughs> if they were going to tour you'd buy a ticket obviously but at the same time i i like the fact that that they enjoy it um i think they still sound great um i think it's lovely to see them pop up on occasions like this, like the, I mean, the, the, the Bowie tribute is, is moving and doing like fundraising stuff and whatever. I think that's great. They should definitely keep doing that if we enjoy it because they also, they use the Nirvana name to, to do something good. I think. Is it something that I would like listen to often? No. Not really, because... Come on, we, we just started a, like an online movement to uh, ask Dave to release <laughs> Sorry the tapes. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and no, now I you would... say you, you won't even listen to them? <laughs> yeah, Dave released the tapes, but I won't listen to them. <laughs> no, obviously I would listen to that. Um, let's explain it like this. I think it has mainly novelty value for me. And that's novelty value I enjoy very much. But it's not something that I specifically 
need or would be like, oh yeah, we need them to, to really like go on tour and, and, um, take Joan Jett and back and, and no, I don't think that's needed. I more or less agree with you. I don't want them to go on tour, but I do want them to come to the Netherlands and do a show <laughs> here so I can see them, which is... <laughs> well, if they want to release those tapes, they should do a release party, right? And they can do it in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I have mixed, mixed feelings about it. I would be really, really um, excited to see them play. I mean, yeah, yeah that's... Of course. No, no doubt about it. Uh, but then again, I wouldn't want him to be like a nostalgia act. No. Or like a, become a whole circus. And uh, no. I mean, have a Kurt Cobain uh, hologram on stage or... <laughs> oh, no. Or what, whatever. Or say, oh, now we're back again. And now we're going to do a new album. I mean, that doesn't feel right to no. me. I like the fact also that snippet that you, you played of sometimes playing together and jamming and enjoying that. And I think that's, to me, that's sort of one of the most important things that speaks to me. Like if mm. they enjoy it and they sometimes let us enjoy what they're enjoying as well, I think that's really great. I'm definitely all up for that. But that's what it is. Exactly like you said, it doesn't have to be a whole like circus of of other things of reuniting or whatever it's just we know each other we like to play together and sometimes we'll do that and you can hear it as well and and please enjoy yeah, it for what it is yeah i think as long as it doesn't feel like a cash grab i'm i'm yeah cool with exactly. it exactly and, uh, and i hope they keep on doing it because maybe one day i'll have a chance uh, to go to one of those shows not very likely but you never know could happen yeah absolutely Oh, uh, here's something that I, I forgot that I thought was pretty, pretty moving, uh, that happened uh, during one of these shows. I just want to hear one big cheer for somebody. I want to hear a big cheer for Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I, I forgot I had that uh, snippet wow, lined up, so really I just nice. wanted to throw that in there. And also, maybe we skipped uh, over the uh, speeches of the induction a bit too fast, because there were some interesting things that happened there. So I thought maybe we can reflect on that just just a little bit yeah. before we're going to um, put this uh, episode to an end. And like I said, uh, you can hear everything that's been said that evening at the end of this podcast, um, because it's also more or less signals the peace treaty between Courtney and, and Dave, and I suppose Chris as well, mm -hmm. because they hugged on stage and they spoke backstage, I suppose, and then they they put their feud to an end. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and I thought it was interesting that I think his mother said, yeah, Kurt would have been so proud. He would say that he wasn't, but he was. He would have <laughs> been, some, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's quite beautiful. Yeah, I think so too. And it also reflects a bit, it's like the mixed feeling. Yeah, it's kind of cool that people like what I do, but I don't feel at ease in this environment and I don't want to be too much into the in crowd, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like that. So I thought it was nice that you pointed it out. And, um, oh, I, I, I can add that there's one 
missed opportunity that we did talk about Courtney sing one of the songs with them. Mm. But I guess they didn't hug it out enough for that to happen. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, th I think they actually just, without words, just, you know, yeah. put their struggles to an end exactly. at, at that evening by just being in the room together and for the special occasion. And uh, it would have been interesting, though. I think that would have got a lot of haters fired up as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually thought you were going to say that it would have been a perfect opportunity for Michael Stipe to sing Old Age. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Or Courtney, of True. course, because it's also a whole song, but uh, mm -hmm. we talked about it. Maybe, maybe they did Old Age with Michael Stipe at the after party. No, they didn't. This, the Just set let, list is, let uh, me dream about that. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe they did. No, I, um, the set list is more or less um, out there, and uh, old age isn't on there, and neither is Michael Stipe. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But if they um, release the tapes and they have the release party in the Netherlands, they're probably gonna bring Michael Stipe to sing uh, old age. So yeah, you'll be fine, and we'll probably <laughs> be able to get tickets and have like. Um, Front row seats because oh well, we won't have seats. But no, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sometimes wondering if people who are listening to this are thinking, oh, interesting, they're they're just goofing off again, or <laughs> <laughs> just get annoyed by it <laughs> because it just just happens sometimes. Yeah. Oh, uh, and uh, two more things I'd like to say about this um, about those uh, speeches. Because I saw online that Dave got some criticism because he didn't mention um, Kurt. Mm -hmm. He didn't say his name or anything. While on the other hand, you could also say, well, maybe they talked about it and they decided that Chris, who knew Kurt longer and better than Dave, and Dave did give credit to all the drummers that came before him. So Exactly. You, you shouldn't forget that this was... The band that got inducted, that means that the two remaining members are there as a band, not as themselves. So it would make a lot of sense for them to, to have discussed what they were going to say. And then obviously you're not going to do like sort of the same speech twice. And I think there was some talk about whether or not Chet Channing should get uh, inducted as well. Yeah. Because of course, well, he was... Uh, the drummer um, on the album <laughs> on, on, on the first album so yeah why 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 not but uh but at least it was nice of dave to to credit not just chad but also the other drummers that yeah. sometimes didn't last very long but uh yeah <laughs> he did he did name them and uh, and thank them and uh, yeah that was pretty cool although dave does forget to name dave foster who was also a drummer for a while in the beginning so is there anything you'd like to add or say no, I think we said it all. Go and listen to some more Beck albums, I think. It's high oh. time to uh, get back to into that. I liked Beck for a while, and then I saw him at a festival in Belgium, mm -hmm. and it was quite disappointing. Ah, okay. So, Never saw him live. Yeah, he, he kind of lost me there, I must say. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Anyway, I want to thank you for uh, for uh, podcasting uh, with yeah, me yet thank again. Thank you for having me. And of course, uh, I want to thank uh, Nirvana Piano, a.k.a. Joop Hulligi, for uh, providing our theme music. And of course, I want to thank everybody uh, out there listening to us. And I hope you will tune in next time. Bye. Bye.
momentum and excitement at the time was so great because there was just like this new thing happening and no one could quite pinpoint it, but we knew that we were a part of it. There are some bands that are pretty good every night, and then there are bands that can either be the greatest band in the world or a total fucking train wreck. And Nirvana was kind of one of those bands. I turned on MTV and there we were. Almost like the Beatles, you know? It's like Nirvana mania. What else should I be? I'm always in pain too, and that really adds to the anger in our music. It really does. I'm kind of grateful for it. I'm tired of people trying to put too much meaning into my lyrics. People would take it too literally. They think we were being serious because no one sees the funny side of us. So I decided uh, to be really blunt and bold. We repel the mainstream. And see, there's one thing you have to remember about Nirvana. Is Nirvana didn't go to the mainstream. The mainstream came to Nirvana, and that was our big crisis. our style of music. I want to do something different, and I want to have enough guts to do that. And if it alienates people, that's too bad. Good evening. I'm Michael Stipe. I'm here to induct Nirvana into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. When an artist offers an idea, a perspective, it helps us all to see who we are. It wakes us up and it pushes us forward towards our collective and individual potential. It makes us, each of us, able to see who we are more clearly. It's progression and progressive movement. It is the future staring us down in the present and saying, come on, let's get on with it. Here we are, now. I'm purposely using the word artist rather than musician because the band Nirvana were artists in every sense of the word. It is the highest calling for an artist as well as the greatest possible privilege to capture a moment, to find the zeitgeist, to expose our struggles, our aspirations, our desires, to embrace and define their time. 
That is my definition of an artist. Nirvana captured lightning in a bottle. And now I will quote Urban Dictionary off the internet in defining lightning in a bottle as capturing something powerful and elusive and then being able to hold it and show it to the world. Kurt Cobain, Chris Novoselic, and Dave Grohl were Nirvana. The potency and the power of their defining moment has become, for us, indelible. Like my band, R.E.M., Nirvana came from a most unlikely place, not a cultural city center like London, San Francisco, Los Angeles, or even New York or Brooklyn, but from Aberdeen, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest, a largely blue-collar town just outside of Seattle. Chris Novoselic said, Nirvana came out of the American hardcore scene of the 1980s. This was a true underground. It was punk rock, but the many bands and musical styles were eclectic. We were a product of a community of youth looking for a connection away from the mainstream. Dave Grohl said, we were dropouts, making minimum wage, listening to vinyl, emulating our heroes, Ian MacKay, Little Richard, getting high, sleeping in vans, never expecting the world to notice. Solo artists almost have it easier than bands. Bands are not easy. You find yourself in a group of people who rub each other the wrong way in exactly the right way, and you have chemistry, zeitgeist, lightning in a bottle, and a collective voice to help pinpoint a moment to understand what it is that we're going through. Nirvana tapped into a voice that was yearning to be heard. Keep in mind the times. This was the late 80s, early 90s. America, the idea of a hopeful, democratic country had been practically dismantled by Iran-Contra, by AIDS, by the Reagan-Bush senior administrations. But with their music, their attitude, their voice, Nirvana blasted through all that with crystalline nuclear rage and fury. Nirvana were kicking against the system, bringing complete disdain for the music industry and their definition of corporate mainstream America to show a sweet and beautiful but fed-up fury coupled with howling vulnerability. Lyrically exposing our frailty, our frustrations, our shortcomings, singing of retreat and acceptance of our triumphs, of an outsider community with such immense possibility, stymied or ignored, but not held down or held back by the stupidity and political pettiness of the times, they spoke truth and a lot of people listened. They picked up the mantle in that particular battle, but they were singular and loud and melodic and deeply original. And that voice, that voice. Kurt, we miss you. I miss you. Nirvana defined a moment, a movement for outsiders, for the fags and the fat girls and the broken toys and the shy nerds and the goth kids from Tennessee and Kentucky, for the rockers and the awkward and the fed up and the two smart kids and the bullied. We were a community, a generation, in Nirvana's case, several generations. And the echo chamber of that collective howl and Allen Ginsberg would have been very proud here. That moment and that voice reverberated into music and film, into politics, into worldview, and so many fields in so many ways and in our lives. And this is not just pop music. This is something much greater 
than that. These are a few artists who rubbed each other the wrong way in exactly the right way at the right time. Nirvana. It is my honor to call to the stage Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl. I was the quiet one in Nirvana. I was the drummer. But most of you don't know that I was the fifth drummer of Nirvana. For whatever reason, I got to be the luckiest person in the world and also be in Nirvana. But I have to give credit to all of the other drummers that came before me. Aaron Burkhart, thank you very much. Dale Crover from the Melvins, who is my absolute drumming hero. Dan Peters from Mudhoney. Chad Channing, who is the drummer of Nirvana. Guess what Chad's responsible for? If you listen to a song like In Bloom, that's Chad. We came from this underground punk rock scene where there really were no awards or ceremonies or trophies. It was all about doing it for real, and the reward was doing it right and sharing the community of music, helping other musicians and inspiring people. And so I got really lucky to grow up in the Washington, D.C. punk rock scene where I was inspired by all of these amazing people. Too many to list. I'm also lucky that when we first started out, we didn't know anything about business. We were in a fucking van, you know, buying corn dogs from t-shirts that we had sold. And we were lucky that we met a manager named John Silva, and we met an accountant named Lee Johnson. And I'm happy to say that I've never, ever strayed from those two people in my life. That's like 25 years. John Cutcliffe and Michael Meisel and... I mean, it's a long list of people that I'm going to forget most of them, but most of all, I have to thank my family because I was lucky enough to grow up in a musical family in an environment that encouraged music. Parents that never told me not to listen to fucking Slayer. You know what I mean? I listened to some really, really fucked up shit. But my parents never told me not to because I was finding myself. So, Mom, thanks.
Thanks for letting me drop out of high school. <laughs> Kids, stay in school, don't do drugs. It's a bad idea. I have to thank my beautiful wife, Jordan, and my two daughters that I hope grow up to inspire people just like every musician I grew up inspired by. Because I think that's the deal, is that you look up to your heroes and you shouldn't be intimidated by them, you should be inspired by them. Don't look at the poster on your wall and think, fuck, I could never do that. Look at the poster on the wall and think, fuck, I'm gonna do that. And then you do this. Thank you, Michael, for that uh, great induction and uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I want to thank all the Nirvana fans who... Nirvana fans walk up to me every day and say thank you for the music. And when I hear, when I hear that, and that reminds me of Kurt Cobain, okay? So I want to say thank you, Kurt Cobain, and I wish Kurt was here tonight, okay? And that music means so much to so many people, and, it's, and there's new generations and new fans coming up. And it's really powerful. And Kurt was, a, was an intense artist. And uh, he really connected with a lot of people. And, uh, I wanna th and when Nirvana, we, did our, we started in Aberdeen, Washington, in Washington State. And uh, we had an infrastructure there to support us. There was a music community. I want to thank Sub Pop Records. Um, the music community in Seattle and Washington State. I want to thank Buzz Osborne. Thank you, Buzz, for turning us on to punk rock music. Steve Albini. And Butch Vig for recording us twice. Thank you, Susan Silver, for uh, introducing us to the music industry properly. And uh, thank you all again. I'm probably going to cry. I'm already crying. Because he'd be so proud. He'd say he wasn't, but he would be. I just miss him so much. He was such an angel. Thank you. You know, I have a big speech, but I'm not going to say it. Hi. We all start bands when we're kids. And this is my family I'm looking at right now, all of you. Brother Michael, Brother Chris, Grandma Wendy, Mr. Grohl. Come on, David and Chris. That's it. I just wish that Kurt was here to hear, feel this and be this. 20 years ago, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame maybe wasn't 
But tonight, he really would have appreciated it. He would appreciate it, Chris and Dave and Michael and his mother and his sisters being here. And I just want to give this to Frances, our daughter, who's not here because she's ill. That's it. That's all I have to say. Thank you so very much, Jan and the committee. We're going to have a, a few ladies joining us tonight. So here is a lady who I can't believe is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.